Devora Vale. I'm a life and wellness coach and the host of this podcast. Welcome to Accessing Your Best Self, a space meant for exploring the wisdom of Torah and its practical application for improving our character. Hey, would you like to So, our topic is jealousy. And just a little intro. I think that everybody can relate to this topic because all of us, just being human, have experienced feelings of jealousy from time to time. It's an emotion that has been part of the human experience since creation. The snake, we're told, was jealous of Adam and Chava's relationship. One of the Mephorshim goes very into the idea that the snake actually wanted to get rid of Adam so he could marry Chava. Um, we all know the story about Cain and Hevel, how Cain slew Hevel. And of course we know that the reason was he was jealous. He was Mekana of the fact... Hi! We're just starting. Come on in everybody. All my chassidot. Yeah, we can do something like that here. Why don't I put this on hold? I'm going to start again. So we were saying that jealousy is something that human beings have had to deal with since the beginning of creation. The story of Adam and Chava, we know that the snake was actually jealous of the relationship between Adam and Chava, and he had plans to get rid of uh, Adam and uh, take off with Chava, or have fun with her in the Garden of Eden. And of course we know the story of Cain and Hevel, that Hevel brought a better korban, a nicer offering to Hashem, and Cain was driven to distraction by that, and out of jealousy he slew his brother. And we're going to maybe go more deeply into these stories, but for now we're just talking about the idea that jealousy is part of the DNA of the human experience. We know the story of Korach, who was jealous of Moshe, being the leader of Kal Yisrael, and of course we know what his end was, being swallowed up by the earth. So there's many examples in the Torah of jealousy. So in this Vad, what we plan to do is explore our own feelings of jealousy, and explore this topic through a Torah viewpoint and also using sources from modern psychology if they, um, coinc- whatever, if they uh, help explain the point. So, as with every character trait, something that's very important to know whenever you're working on yourself is that some of us are always endowed with more or less of it. And it's not something that we choose, it's what's called our homer. Our Homer is the raw material that God gives us that makes us who we are. And in other Vadim, I've discussed that all of us are a constellation of negative and positive traits that we don't choose. So some people are born naturally with a smile on their face. Some people are born with a frown on their face. Some people are born more patient. Some people less patient. Some people prone to anger. Some people, you know, you have to like stand on their foot and make it very clear that it hurts for them to react. So everybody's different. And this is true also when it comes to kinna, when it comes to jealousy. Some people can't go through a day without feeling jealous of something. And other people, it really doesn't come up that often, or at least not on a superficial level. But as we're going to see, sometimes we might think that, gee whiz, thank God this isn't one of my faults, right? I got other ones, but it's not mine. But as we delve deeper, we will see 
just what a large topic is and, and, and all the different areas that it touches that don't, aren't necessarily about you've got something and I want it, but there's a lot more to it. Now, generally speaking, we would call jealousy kin'ah, that kind of an experience, you know. I see something, you have it, and I want it. Okay, um, before I go there, I want to just first mention the um, sort of the different categories of jealousy. Okay, so the first one I just mentioned, which is kin'ah, which is jealousy, which is I want what you have. Okay. The next one is considered much worse. It's called Sarat Ayan. We're going to call, talk about that, which is more like, I don't want what you have, but I don't want you to have it. I don't even need what you have, but I don't like that you have it. Okay, we can see that that goes a little deeper. The third one is called Kinat Sofrim which is actually usually described as something positive because you're jealous of a more spiritual type of asset that somebody has. Okay, somebody does a lot of tzedakah, somebody does a lot of chesed. Now, but even in kinat sofrim, we have to be careful because even though it can drive us to want to do more, there can still be, and we're going to talk about the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva, the worst kind of jealousy is in the spiritual areas when it's the wrong type, okay? When I don't want you to be better than I am in those areas, okay? And the last one, which is, again, we're going to better and better because, as I said, Kinat Sofrim can have a positive and usually does have a positive take on it, is Ayin Tova. That's really what we want to go for, which is having a good eye, and we know in Pirkei Avos it talks about, you know, different things, which is the best. An ayin tov, a lev tov. I think they, they decide a lev tov is the best of all of them. Is that true, Dorit? Do you know? Is it a lev tov? But anyway, ayin tov is up there with, with something very, very good. To have a, a good eye, which means that you're happy for other people's success. So we're going to talk about that. Okay, so going back to jealousy. So... The source of all of these things, uh, especially jealousy, we're going to talk about kin'ah first, is often in self-absorption, because of self-absorption, egocentricity, and an, and an unhappiness with the self. And the antidote to jealousy is being happy with what I have. Okay, that's very simplistic and clear. Now, jealousy is a very intense emotion. The Ramchal in Perak Yud Aleph says that there's four problematic midot. Gaiva, Ga'ava, which is arrogance. Ka'as, anger. Taiva, which is lust and being driven by your desires. And Kin'ah, jealousy. Quote, these are bad qualities whose evil is known to everyone. They are problematic on their own and also on what they produce. They all involve a certain loss of intelligence and good judgment. So she says when a person is consumed by jealousy or any of these emotions, anger, arrogance, there's a certain loss of perspective. And even though I might have a very high IQ, suddenly I go from being totally rational to completely irrational. Because 
I'm consumed with emotion. Okay, so Rabbi Matisyahu Solomon, I'm sure you've all heard of him. He lives in Lakewood. He's a Rosh Hashiva there. He should be Gesundheit and Stark. He tells, these, he tells a little um, example of the progression of how jealousy progresses. He says, you know, you look out your window, and across the street you notice that your neighbor has a new car. So you say, wow, what a nice car. And then you say, hmm, I wish I had a nice car like that. And then you say, you know what? They don't really deserve that car. I deserve a car like that. Hey, that's my car. Robber, you stole my car. Okay? So he's basically talking about the slippery slope that we could go through in a split second in our mind from looking out the window, seeing a nice car, and then, of course, going on from there. And whatever it is, if, if it's a car or if it's something else in your life that you want... That is often the way our minds work in a very quick way. And what happens is the intensity of jealousy is so strong that we are moved to anger at people who didn't actually do anything wrong. They just happen to have that thing that we want. So I want to talk a little bit about the connection between this Midah of Kin'ah and what happened to the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva. We know that the 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva were died during the period between Pesach and Shavuos, and everybody's very familiar with the reason why they died. There's actually two descriptions in the Gemara of why they died. The first one I was familiar with, and I'm sure you are too, is they didn't treat each other with kavod, right? It says that in Yevamos Lamed Base. But Chazal say in another place that the reason that they died from this plague is because they had saras ayin, sarat ayin on each other. Now what, is, what do those words mean um, in terms of their simple <coughs> meaning? Sarat means narrow from the word Mitzrayim. We know Mitzrayim was leaving the narrow straits of Mitzrayim. And ayin, of course, is eye. So it's like a tsarat ayin. It's a narrow eye. So there's a whole question asking, which. so which one is it? Was it they didn't treat each other with kavod, or was it that they had tsaras ayin? So Rabbi Friedlander, the Sifseichayim, says, these two ideas are not inconsistent with each other. They're really one and the same. He said, because tsaras ayin is an internal type of thought, I don't want, I don't necessarily need what you have, but I don't want you to have it. And that naturally, he says, leads to not being able to treat the other person with kavod. Because if you're already thinking that way, you're going to have a very hard time treating the other person properly. Okay? So he says they're really connected. So what is tsar's ayin? So tsar means narrow, as I said. Now tsar is the same word also, interchangeable with oyev, which is an enemy. A tsar is an enemy. Tsara, actually, is a second wife in the Torah. She's called a tsara. So the idea of tsaris, I, of the word tsar, is my perspective on you is that I see you as an enemy. I see you as a threat, like somebody would see a second wife, although I always joke that I, I actually like the idea, especially when my kids were little. I thought, you know, I'd have someone intelligent to talk to. You know, I'd be at the milchik sink, she'd be at the fleshik sink, you know, whatever. People say, what, are you crazy? I guess I was. I was, you know. Anyway, but she's called it Sarah because she's a threat. 
And also it's the idea that I see, when I'm jealous of you, I'm seeing you in a very narrow way. All I can think of is that what you have is what I want and I can't see anything else. Again, it's totally irrational and, and, it, and, and it shrinks the person to nothingness except that you stand in the way or you are somehow a threat and we're going to discuss why that is, okay? Saurus Ion makes it hard to like you. Now why am I so bothered that things are going so well for you? Well, the reason is, is because I feel that we're in competition with, with each other. The fact that you are up makes me feel that I am down. Your success makes me feel unsuccessful. Now, we don't have this with any everyone in our lives, but, you know, if we think about it, we sometimes will experience this feeling with specific people in our lives. Obviously, it, you, it's usually people who are in the same business as us, or have the same talents as us, or we feel that we're in some kind of competition with on some kind of level. So, you know, each one of us can think about that as we go through our week. So it's like, it's not everybody. We can be happy for others as long as we don't feel that we're in competition with them. So there's an inverse relationship between us and that other person, the people who we see this way, you know, I thought I was pretty, I thought I was slim, I thought I was successful and now I meet you and I don't feel that way about myself anymore. All of a sudden you've piqued something in me that's made me question my own self-worth, my own sense of wholeness, okay? Now, Chazal talk more about the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva, the 12,000 pairs of Talmidim. And there's a Makor and Chazal that say that they were very successful, but their problem was is they were bothered by each other's success. And they felt bad about other people's the other Talmidim, Talmidim's success. So as I said earlier, it's one thing to be jealous of material or physical assets. That's pretty normal and natural. But to be jealous of others' spiritual goals can take a person in a very bad direction if it's coming from a place of, you know, anger, upset, um, envy that's tainted with egocentricity, etc., etc. Okay? Um, so what went wrong with these Talmidim? That, they, that their jealousy of each other's spiritual status you know, went to the degree that they were destroyed and Rabbi Akiva had to begin again. We're going to talk about this more later in detail. But the question really is, is why would I be so upset by another person's success? Why do we have a, this kind of seesaw relationship with some people? When you're up, I feel like I'm down. Okay? So social, social psychology posits three different types of relationships that we have in society. The first relationship, the way people might relate to other people, is called independence. In other words, it's the person that says, you know what, you do your thing, I do my thing. I'm a self-made person. I don't need you, I don't have to do anything, I, and, and you don't need me, or I'm not going to, you know, cross over the line to help you out. And they're very happy with feeling this kind of independence, now this is at best a neutral type of um, way of behaving, 
but at worst it could be very, very negative. And you can see why this person could become very arrogant, uh, very self-serving, not interested in doing anything for anybody else unless it's going to bring them something, etc. Um, now the second one is the one that's really very, very common, and this is called negative interdependence. And this is what we mentioned already, which is, I need you, but I need you in a negative way. I need you to fail because my success is dependent on your failure. And you know what? It sounds really crass, but the truth is, is we're conditioned from a very young age to be in this kind of relationship with other people. You know, for example, if you're, you know, doing track and field at school and you're running a race, well, there can only be one winner who crosses the finish line. So it's pretty difficult to not think, you know, they need to run slower so that I can win the race. And even better, that guy that's always really close behind me, if he would trip, that would be good too. We actually have a, a family story about my little brother, who was so cute when he was little. And he was like the tzaddik in the family, and he was always in the same race with the same kid every year. You know, we lived in St. Catharines. They were like, you know, Tommy Kubo, this Ukrainian kid, tall, long legs, blonde, straight hair. And it was always Joel and Tommy Kubo, Joel, you know, every year, the same thing. It was like me with the Kiwanis Music Festival. It was always me and Elspeth Thompson and Mary Beth McCarthy. Like, we didn't see each other the whole year, but we knew when we entered the hall, you know, it's first, second, and third, and we know it's, it's between the three of us, right? Anyway, the story with Joel is that, you know, uh, Joel was winning the race, and Tommy Kubo, who, no, wait, T Tommy Kubo was ahead of Joel, and Tommy trips and falls. And Joel, of course, could have just run right by him and won the race, but no. Joel stops and picks up Tommy Cubo. You know, he's got Vinay uh, Avraham in him. He stops, picks up Tommy Cubo, and of course, Tommy Cubo, without thinking for a thought, right, runs and wins the race. Yeah, but you know, he was happy that he did. He couldn't help himself because you just saw the, the genetic, you know, how do, how, do, how do you prove, prove your yichas as a Jew, right? They say one of the uh, signs is gomle chasadim. So that's what he had. Okay, so, but, but basically that's the way it is. Look at academics. There's one valedictorian, at least there used to be. Now they probably make everybody in the whole school valedictorian, <laughs> right? And like, I know there's no like scoring anymore on intramural sports. It's like we all have to win. And like, I think Seinfeld does this whole thing about how when you go bowling, they fill in the gutters now. So like, you can't, you know, you can't miss the pin, right? So this is how they work on self-esteem and not having this negative interdependence. But we know it doesn't work, okay? So anyway, the idea is though, again, that, you know, I need you to, 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 to mess up on that one question so that I will be the valedictorian and you won't. I need you to do less well so that I can outshine you. We see this in politics, even with a, a person who is very popular, you know, who needs a lot of votes. Um, they're still going to try and talk down the other guy because I, there's only one winner here. And my success is based on you failing, your failing. Even at home, you can do, have that with, you know, families and children. If you have a chart out there, a, 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 you know, the mitzvah chart, right? And everybody gets to look at it and the kid sees, oh, I'm winning, I'm winning, I'm winning. You're losing, you're losing, you're losing, right? I've got more stars than you do. I've got more sticker charts. So we're always in this negative interdependence that I want to win and I look even better 
if you lose. Okay, now this is not a Jewish idea, even though we grow up with this. Um, and we're conditioned to see others' success as, oh no, I guess I'm not doing so well. Oh no, I'm losing. We have something which is the most positive type of interdependence, which is called positive interdependence. And that idea is, I, I do need you, and I need you to succeed in order for me to succeed. Your success is my success. And obviously that's very much what an ayin tova is as well. Okay, and it's based on the idea of kol yisrael arevim zebazah, that we are all interconnected. And I'm sure I've told that mashal um, that they tell a lot about the butcher who's cutting meat and by mistake his hand slips and he cuts a finger on his left hand. And so he gets very, very angry and he takes the knife in his left hand and cuts his finger on the right hand to take revenge. But obviously that's completely foolish. But that, we're told, is really the way um, that if a Jew, God forbid, does something to hurt another Jew, he's just hurting himself. And so, too, the opposite of that is that when somebody else succeeds, it's your success as well. Because we're all one body and we're all one soul. And we are so intricately connected in that way that we all gain from somebody doing well. And that's something that... Anyway, I don't know, there was a little one-minute, meaningful minute going around on the compute. On the, I got it last night and it was so perfect for this. But it really, um, it really illustrates this idea of Kol Yisrael Arevim Zebazeh. So this Rabbi Ben Sion Klatsko, who's a big Hiru professional, did you, everybody see this? Anyway, he tells a story, it's a two-minute story, that he was at a garage sale with his wife, and they see a piano, and the piano's $250. And his wife says, oh, I always wanted a piano. Could we get it? Could we get it? Could we get it? And he says, you know what, $250, that's for sure, that's, that's nothing. We can get this. So he goes over to the guy, and he says, you know, I'm interested in the piano. And um, he says, okay, I just, uh, there was another woman who was looking at it, and uh, she, she, didn't, uh, she didn't seem to know what she wanted to do about it. So let me go make sure that she doesn't want it. And then it's yours. So the woman comes over, and she's a religious woman from Muncie, he says, with all these little kindalach with her. And the guy says to her, her, do you want the, and by the way, the guy was not Jewish, okay? He says, do you want the piano? And she says, well, you know what, I only brought $75 with me to the garage sale, so... You know, I, I guess not. So this guy, Rabbi Klatsko, turns to her and he goes, well, if you want it, I'll, I'll lend you the money. You know, you need a little bit more, I'll lend you the money, I'll give you my address, and you know, you can send it to me whenever you can. So this Gentile is completely shocked. He just can't believe what's going on here, right? He goes, why are you doing that? Like, it's yours, you know? like." Anyway, he t explains to him, you know, well, but this lady, he says some uh, phrase from the Gemara that if somebody's already involved in a transaction and they really want it, whatever. I don't think it necessarily, it was definitely Lifni Mishur's Hadin what he was doing, beyond the call of duty. But in the meantime, she said, really? That's great. And he gives her the money and she buys the piano. And this, like I said, this, this, this guy is just completely shocked. And uh, anyway... Then the rabbi sees that he has a whole bunch of bottles of scotch for sale. So he says, you know what, I'll buy some of those. He goes, 
you don't have to buy them. I'm just giving them to you. <laughs> just take them, right? He's just so amazed. But again, this is the idea of, you know, we're all one people and our your success is my success. Now, Rav Noach Weinberg was famous one year for saying that um, it was Rosh Hashanah and I guess he was asking his students who heard the shofar this year. And they were all saying that, of course, they heard the shofar. They're lucky enough to be in yeshiva. And he says, nobody heard the shofar this year. And they don't know what he means by that. And he basically is trying to say this idea again of Kol Yisrael, that if there were other Jews that didn't hear the shofar this year, that don't even know that there's a shofar blown and that they're supposed to hear it, then your hearing of the shofar, shofar cannot be complete. Then you didn't really hear it the way we really need to hear it, which is as one people together with everybody on board and knowing. So the idea of positive interdependence is that the idea of team, of a team, right? That everyone works together, that you know, we see each other as not competitive with each other, but but as helping each other to the same finish line. Okay. So what's the antidote to Tsaris Ion, to this narrowness, that I only see you through the eyes of how you affect me? I can't see the bigger picture of all the good things about you because I'm so focused on what it is that you have or you are that I'm not. So the antidote, or one antidote, which is written about in uh, the Gemara Yoma Lameches, it says there, a man cannot touch even a hair's breadth of what is set aside for his friend. Again, a man cannot touch even a hair's breadth of what is set aside for his friend. So the th question that a person has to ask themselves is, do I really think that person is affecting my success? Because the Torah Hashkafa is my success comes from Hashem. Nobody can take anything away from me. If I was meant to have it, I'm going to have it. And if I wasn't, then if I don't have it, then I wasn't meant to have it. So that's one antidote to Tzaras Ayin. And of course, that's Bitachon. Bitachon is trusting in God. It's more than that. It's understanding that everything that God gives us, does for us, I mean, it's a, it's a nine-month course. But in a nutshell, you know, a lot of people say they believe in God. That's called Emunah. Yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, he's up there somewhere. He's, you know, he's running the world. He's, he created the world. But no, he's not really involved in everyday life and in the nitty-gritty of what happens to me in my day. So bitachon is everything that happens, whether it's good or it's not good, whether it feels great or it doesn't feel great. The idea of bitachon is that everything is happening because Hashem is making it happen. And we say, you know, every leaf that falls from a tree falls from the tree because Hashem says leaf fall. And as involved as he is in every single detail of this workings of this world, Kal v'chomer, he is very, very involved in each one of our lives. So bitachon is that whatever I have is what I'm meant to have, and whatever I don't have, I don't need it. And that is one way, and of course it takes tremendous mindfulness, and it's a, it's a work that takes us 120 years 
But of course, if we know about it, and we know how we're supposed to be thinking, then we can plug it in when we're feeling those kind of feelings. Okay, but really it's just topping, you know, it's, it, it's, it's just the tip of the iceberg. So again, the idea of this negative interdependence is that there's a pizza pie, and that pizza pie is finite. And if Ruchi takes a big, huge piece of that pie, then let's face it, my slice is going to be smaller, okay? So there's a, there's a finite piece of this pie, and if you get a bigger piece, I get a smaller piece, I'm affected. So there's a limit. There's a limit to good fortune. There's a limit to money. There's a limit to shidduchim out there. There's a limit to success and good looks and spiritual success. And so if you have more of that, I'm going to suffer because I'm going to have less. And we have to replace this perspective with the idea that everyone has his own complete pie. Right? It's just over there on the other table. So you have to move over to that other table and there's your pie and it's sitting there. And also, together with this, that this pie, of course, has your specific needs. It's based on your specific needs. And the bottom line to it all is to realize that Hashem's ability to give good is not limited. And someone else having good is not limiting my success. You know, so she gives, she works a lot with teenage girls and girls that are, you know, trying to get whatever they're either in, you know, they're dating, they're looking for their husband and she says you know for example let's say a girl's friend gets engaged and you know everybody's talking about the guy he's he's so handsome and he's so talented and he's so kind and he's good looking on top of it and you know he's he's just the greatest guy so the natural way to feel you know if you're there with those girls is oh no now there's one less guy in the pool that like could have been mine like now he's gone and like the pool is just looking much more empty and not quite as, you know, and that is a false perspective, she's saying, but it's natural to feel that way, that um, somehow, again, my ability to be successful is affected by the fact that she found this guy, so one less guy is in the pool of guys. And again, the idea is that nobody's affecting my lot. I have to remind myself of this all the time. Other people's success is not affecting mine. So I always like to um, mention something that Rabbi Pesach Krohn said on the um, bracha that we say every morning. She'asali kol tzarki, that Hashem, you has, have given us all of our needs. And of course, once upon a time, we said these morning brachas while we were getting dressed. And what were we doing when we said she'asali kol tzarki? I'm sure you know we were putting on our shoes. Okay. And Rabbi Pesach Krohn likes to say that there's nothing like shoes that really express this idea that what I have is exactly what I need. Because he says, you know, if you put on a pair of shoes that are too big for you, well, you might be able to walk in them, and you may even be able to get to the end of the block and around the corner. But you're not going to get to your destination if it's across town. And even if you do get there, it's going to be very uncomfortable. And it's not going to be easy, because you're not walking in your shoes. And it's a tr the same is true of shoes that are too tight. Again, you might be able to walk, and you might look great in them, but you know, you know how you feel after you've been in those shoes at a wedding, right? They're just too high, too small, and you're not going to be able to run the, uh, you know, 
whatever it is, the marathon in those shoes. You can't get to where you want to go because the shoes that you want are the shoes that fit your feet. And those are the shoes, and it's followed by the bracha, hamechim gavr, that Hashem sort of prepares the footsteps. He prepares the way for us. And we want to be walking in those shoes that fit us because those are that's the idea again, that whatever shoes fit me, those are the ones I need to be able to get to where I want to go, even though I'd rather be in her shoes or I'd rather be in that person's shoes because it looks so much better than mine because they have what I need. Okay, so again, those are just ideas on bitachon. And um, Rav Volba says that if you concentrate on these two brachas every morning, that God gives me exactly what I need, and think about how people used to put on their shoes, right? I have exactly what I need to, to accomplish my mission in this world, to do what I uniquely and only me can do in this lifespan of mine, at this time on the planet, in this generation, and there's nobody else who can do my job. And if I want somebody else's, you know, bag, then it's not going to help me. It's There's going to be tools in there that I won't even know what to do with. We all have our own set of tools. And the more we work on this, the more we can um, be happy with what we have and have less negative interdependence on others. And we can even feel good and celebrate other people's successes. Okay, you guys still want to learn some more? You still have energy? Okay, I'm going to take a drink. <laughs> okay. Let me just see where I want to start here. Okay, so let's talk about another way that we can work on... Oh, so something else I want to say that's very important that I always say for any Nida that we're working on, which I think is, for me, to learn this, I was... It just takes a lot of pressure off. One thing that I say that Dina Schoonmaker says is it's very dangerous for women to learn Musser because women generally tend to beat themselves up all the time anyway, okay? We're never good enough, we're not good enough, we're not skinny enough, we're not a good enough mom, we're not, you know, we're not a good enough wife, we're not a good... Whatever it is, we do that naturally. We don't necessarily need to open up muster books to tell us how bad we are and how much work we have to do. Men, on the other hand, of course, you know my joke, they could be 50 pounds overweight and they look in the kit, in the mirror and go, I look great, I just look fantastic. Okay, so we're very different and that's why men need all this uh, musr, right? Uh, what is it? It's tagid le, 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 le b'nei Yisrael. No, tomar le b'nei no, Tomar le b'nei Yisrael, tagid, no, tagid le b'nei, sorry. Tagid l'b'nei Yisrael, that the way the Torah was given to men was differently than the way it was given to women. Two different lashonot of saying over. Tagid is a hard kind of way, like gidim, like sinews in your body, right? The men were given the Torah in a way that was very rough and tough. You better or else. And Hashem tells Moshe, with the women you say tomar, tomar l'b'nei Yisrael, right? That with them you don't have to speak so harsh, you just speak gently and sweetly, and they're going to do it. 
okay? So we have to be careful not to beat ourselves up. So now on to this point that I love, which is that we are not <coughs> responsible for our primary response. In other words, you see something, you become jealous, and instead of beating yourself up and saying, I can't believe it, I, I thought I was at Sudeikis, I've been working on jealousy for the last 28 years, and darn it, you know, or whatever it is, anything that sort of is like a reflex reaction for you, that primary response, somebody insulted you, somebody said something where you went, ouch, and like immediately you're like, person. I don't ever want to see them again. I just, I can't stand them. I, I, I can't believe they would say something like that to me. That primary response is considered normal. We are all wired in a certain way. Again, like I said earlier, some people are more easily insulted. Some people are much more sensitive than other people. Some people, it just goes off and like duck off, water off a duck's back. So we all have our constellation of traits and personalities where we might, one thing that, you know, doesn't bother me at all drives you ballistic and the vice versa. Something that, you know, I'm saying, I don't understand what got you so upset. And you're saying, well, come on, like, don't you get it? Because we have each of us those areas where our primary response is like when the doctor hits your knee and it just goes out. And again, Hashem does not judge us. Are you okay? Do you want to drink? Need a drink? I'm so sorry. No, don't be sorry, but there's water there. Anyway, okay. No, no, it's okay. Keep coughing, stay. Okay. Hashem, Hashem doesn't judge us on that because again, we that's our home air. And our responsibility is to take our home air, maybe I didn't say this earlier, to take our home air, that raw material, and create a tsura out of it. Change it. Mold it. Try to become better. And I always quote my mother here, who used to say, what I am is God's gift to me, but who I become, thanks Suzanne, is my, is my gift to God. And that is really what life is about. We cannot beat ourselves up over certain personality traits that we were born with. You could also be born with wonderful, positive traits. And if you walk around like a peacock saying, ha ha, I've got a great voice, or I'm beautiful, or whatever, well, guess what? You had nothing to do with that, right? So the same way a person might, you know, and we talked about that in my self-esteem series, right? The same way a person can be puffed up by all their strengths and good qualities, the next minute, they're, they're, it's like a balloon that you put a pin in, right, when somebody all of a sudden says, yeah, and what about that? So if you're going to be so easily affected by other people's opinion of you, oh, I think you're great, oh, you know, I don't think you're so great, you're just going to be constantly shifting from feeling good and not feeling good about yourself, but that's another course. But it's sort of the same idea, the idea that what we're responsible for now is working on it. Wow, I'm really jealous. Wow, I really hate that person. Why do I hate them? Well, I hate them because I'm jealous of them. There's something about them that makes me feel less than. There's something about them that if they weren't so successful in A, B, C, or D, I wouldn't feel the way I do. It's their fault that I walk around feeling like this, okay? 
So this is more the Tsar's Ion idea. And it's not that I even need what they have necessarily in terms of what it is, but I've come to a point where I just don't want them to have it. But even before that, even the fact that it is something that I would want and I need, again, we, we, um, we're responsible for saying, huh, and then saying, okay, what am I going to do about this? Okay, let me go back to Bitachon again, right? Bitachon, okay, they've got what they need. I've got what I need. It's going to come to me, maybe not now, but maybe soon. But everything I have is exactly what I need for my mission. But let's talk about another way that we can we can handle this. So the, the second idea is put the, put the other person on your team. I want to score, but I'm happy when they score. And this is, again, the idea of Kol Yisrael Arabim because it's a point for my team. Okay? So how do I make them feel, or how do I make myself feel like I'm part of their team? By asking them advice, by helping them if they're having a simcha. Right? My, my first reaction is, oh, I can't believe her daughter's getting married, or I can't believe, right? But when we actually physically and externally try and do something that lessens those feelings of jealousy and makes us part of feeling like we're all together in this, which isn't always easy. But again, just like when we talked about hakpada, resentment, it doesn't mean it happens in a day. It doesn't mean, you know, oh, you know, I'm going to tell myself these mantras and it's going to be, I'm going to be over it. It is a process again, but Hashem that's what counts. That's what he looks at. Again, not the primary, but what am I going to do about it? And again, another principle that we've talked about, and I'll bring it up here too, in every VUD that I've taught, is we have to always move from the regesh, from the feeling, the emotion, that first sting, that first, aha, uh -huh. wow, I didn't know that about myself, or hmm, I didn't know that person... Right? We all have to move it from the regesh to the seichel. And what happens with a lot of people, and especially in the subject of hakpada, and even in jealousy, I would say, you know, internalized anger and resentment, is we let it stay there. We let it stay there, where it's toxic, where it only hurts us. The other person doesn't even know you're jealous, or looking at them with Saras Ayan necessarily, unless you really make it obvious and say things that are like, oh boy, I don't want to tell that person anything because, whoa, you know. Um, but the other person isn't affected by it, but we are. So we want to take it, and sometimes, again, depending on how deep is the pain, how much you were hurt, how much you want what they have, the more work that's involved and the longer it might take. But again, that is the work that Hashem watches and looks at. That is, that is the, the character development and the spiritual growth. That I'm going to try and take it from my emotions and bring it up to my mind. So what can I do to be involved in their success so that I won't feel this way? People love themselves. They love their families. And what we have to do is try to stretch ourselves to love all the Jewish people. Right, Ahavas Yisrael. It's easy to talk about, you know. But go look outside your window at your neighbor's car or whatever it is, and then start with that. You know, like I used to say, you know, it's easy to join the Peace Corps in the 60s and the, 
you know, and go and help the people over there. But try to get along with the people in your family, right? That's the real work. That's the hard work. Try to treat your family the way you treat your friends, as my father would say. Now you're doing something, right? Now you're actually working on something. So, so that's the work. And she, she says, you know, you're not jealous of your children. You're not jealous of your students. Why? Why do you want your children to be successful? Because they're an extension of you. Their success is my success. So it's really a little narcissistic, right? You represent me out there in the world. So when you're a grade A student and you got into Harvard, right? Why is everybody walking around going, you know, my daughter? Because, hmm, you know, my daughter. That's me. You know, me. She's my arm. She's my leg, right? She belongs to me. We're all one. So that's the kind of place we want to get to with Avas Yisrael. That's what it means. It's a little narcissistic, but in a good way. Right? I'm happy for your success because, hey, right? And we know that. We know when a Jew's in the news, right? And he's done something great and heroic and noble. We all go, huh? That's us. That's me. <laughs> right? And then when, you know, Madoff's in the news and he made off with it, right? So we're all very kind of embarrassed and, and no other people feels this way no other people experiences this and so it just proves that we are an extension of one another and if we can help ourselves feel that okay one last idea to combat this intense emotion of jealousy so Dina says that you have to combat an intense emotion with another intense emotion because it's so intense, you have to come back at it with a very intense emotion. And she says, combat it with a positive emotion. Deeply celebrate the other person's success. Work up your enthusiasm. Isn't that terrific? That's what my parents would say. That's how they talk. Isn't that great? Wow. Right? Now, inside, you might not be feeling that way. But we know that the external affects the internal and when a person puts on a big smile and, you know, just begins to pretend even that this is just fantastic. Your success is my success. I want to hear more. Tell me about your kid who got into Harvard. Wow, that must be incredible. That must be great. Tell me about your kid who got into the best seminary and the best yeshiva, right? And instead of my feeling, oh, gosh, I can't believe it. You know, what's going to be with my kid and what's going to be with it? The egocentricity that comes back at us, right? The, the um, it's all about me, the self self centeredness, right? Whereas this intense emotion outward of, isn't that great? Isn't that terrific? That's why we have to come at it so strongly. Because the, the counter is also so incredibly intense. Oh my, why not me? Why? Right? The counter feeling of that sadness. Okay. So I'm just going to end with this last idea that at the beginning it's very hard to do this, to feel this excitement. But you can rewire yourself, she says. We all know about the brain plasticity and about change your mind, change your change your thoughts, change your life, maybe. Yeah, change I don't know, I just read this book. I think it was the title. It's written by a non Jew whose last name was Amen. A M E N. Okay. He was actually a Christian minister or something. But it's a very interesting book about how what we think creates and we know that creates the reality, 
right? And that we can change our thoughts and rewire ourselves. And, and we can also dub into Hashem when we're feeling jealous, she says, to help me to be happy for this person. So Ayan Tova is an intense way of seeing another person's success. That's what an Ayan Tova is. It's going overboard. I mean, you know, I have to say, I don't know who knew my mother in this room, like, really well. Nobody knew her as well as I did. And Allah, Shalom, I don't need to bring her up. But she just happened to excel at this. I mean, it was almost like, Mom, settle down. And it wasn't just with her family. Anybody. She was like... Wow! Like, really, she wanted to know every detail. And it's like, I have to just, you know, like, train myself to just even listen and not, you know, forget about reacting in such an, like, what, what was the word she always used that, um, that just totally described her? Oh, I'm t it's too late, but it's a, it's a, it's a long dictionary word. But it's basically somebody more than effervescent. It's, it's somebody who's just over the top. And she was over the top with being enthusiastic about other people's good fortune and success. And that intensity of emotion is one way that we can combat the intensity of emotion that we feel on the other side. Okay, we will continue next week. Thank you for coming. And, 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 and. And 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 and.